We're in a series entitled Harsh Truth. Last week we talked about the realities of hell. And as I was preparing last week's sermon and this, I was reminded of the story of one of my mentors. His name is Pastor Brett Jones. You'll hear me quote him or talk about him often. Pastor's a great church in Humble, Texas. His father, uh, Bishop Franklin Jones, uh, who went to be with the Lord about eight or ten years ago now, was a great man in the kingdom of God. And So when Pastor Brett was a young preacher, he was preaching one Sunday, or one Sunday night, I believe it was, and he was preaching on hell. And his father, who had been in the ministry for many, many years and traveled all over the world preaching the gospel, was sitting on the front row. And, and Pastor Brett was preaching on the realities of hell. And, and every time he would get a little more serious about hell, he would step down one step into the altar. And he would keep on preaching and he kept stepping down a step and he would preach some more on hell and he would step down to a step and he got to the bottom and he ran out of steps and his dad from the front row said, give him hope, son, give him hope. (laughs) So if I sucked all the hope out of the room last week when we talked about hell and possibly scared the uh, ever-loving hell right out of you... um, I can say that. It's all biblical right in that context, right? Uh, I want to give you some hope today. We're going to talk about the realities of heaven. And uh, this is a much uh, more fun subject. And I, I can't in one sermon go into all that the Bible says about hell because, uh, or about heaven because the subject of heaven and hell is one of the largest subjects covered in Scripture. There, there are more verses on heaven and hell than just about any other subject. And I don't think you want to hear me read them all today and, and break them all down. But I want to kind of give you uh, four basic points about heaven today that hopefully will open your mind to the realities that are happening. Um, heaven is a wonderful thing. I, I, my sister picked me up this magazine. This is Time Magazine uh, from this month. And, uh, or, or this, it says display until July the 4th. Uh, but it's, the entire magazine is on discovering heaven. How ideas about the afterlife shape how we live today. And it's a fascinating read. If you've got some time, you may pick it up and uh, just kind of scan through it. But it's not just about Christianity. It's about how religions all over the, over the world Uh, most of them believe in an afterlife and how they have shaped culture and our beliefs on heaven or hell or some version of the two change things. Grab your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 7, verse 54. I'm going to read a few verses here right up front. Uh, You won't be able to to turn to all of my verses today. We're going to try to move very quickly. Um, But don't try to flip to all of them. But do grab Acts chapter 7, Verse 54, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version today. Now when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, speaking of Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. Then they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of, the young, of a young man named Saul. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. What do you believe about heaven? 
What does heaven look like? What does heaven sound like? What does heaven feel like? I want to play a short video for you really quickly about what two guys think that heaven might look like. Let's go to the screen. You think there'll be tots in heaven? What? Tots. In heaven. What, like angels with pearly deep fryers cooking them up? Man, it's heaven. And just rain tots. Or they grow on trees. Tots on trees. That's your idea of heaven. There won't be any tots on trees in hell. I can guarantee you that. Look, if we eat in heaven, I think it'd be something healthier than this. Like carrots or apples. Not something that's going to give you a heart attack. Dude, aren't we dead? I mean... Your soul can't get a heart attack, and you don't even have a body in heaven. Then how are you going to eat your tot? Maybe it's a spiritual tot. Spiritual tots. Colonics got them, others don't. When I envision heaven, I don't envision tater tots, I'm going to be honest with you. But if you want to know the truth, it will be Dr. Pepper and Mexican food and ice cream. And chocolate fudge brownies with extra warm fudge sauce all over the top. Or maybe, just to mix it up every now and then, a cookie monster from Cheddar's. They're just going to teleport them right there. You're not going to have to wait and ask the waiter 17 times, where's my cookie monster? And him say, what cookie monster? It's just going to be there. This morning... I turned around and I was working at my desk and I turned around and uh, the, some of the team had put a donut on my desk and it was like a, sh a light shone out of heaven. And I, I said to myself, this is heaven right here. I happen to love sugar if you haven't noticed, but I'm trying to lay off. So I, I, I figured that if I lay off while I'm in earth, I can make up, it for, make up for it in eternity, right? I don't know what's going to be happening in heaven, but I, I, I've heard it said, well, we're, we're going to be fishing a lot in, in heaven. Well, listen, I like fishing as much as the next guy, but I don't want to fish for eternity. I don't like it that much. I need something else. I, I, need, I need a little more of something than, than the guy sitting out in the pond. Just like, I, I need a little more action in my life. I don't know what all we're going to be doing in heaven, but I can guarantee you one thing. Thank you, Jesus. Jerry Jones, we're not on the Dallas Cowboys anymore. Woo, hallelujah. I felt Jesus on that one. Got me. <laughs> I don't know what heaven looks like for you. And, and we all envision it different ways and different things. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. I, I know that there's going to be some pearly gates and some streets of gold. And there's going to be mansions all around. Have you been designing yours and laying it all out? I don't fully grasp all that is heaven we, we have people in every culture th that have had near-death experiences or times when they say they have visited heaven and returned and I don't know how much of it is true and how much of it is not all, all I can do is go off of what the scripture says and the scripture teaches us that there is no sadness in heaven that in his presence there is fullness or complete joy the scripture tells us in Revelation 21 that there's no mourning and there's no crying and there's no pain. And, and, and it's all beautiful and wonderful. If you leave this earth and, and, and your life has been in a turmoil, the moment you enter heaven, you won't feel any of that. 
How old will you be? Well, truthfully, I don't know. And the Bible doesn't specifically say. Uh, many theologians kind of believe like this. If the, if the, when Adam and Eve were created, the, the Bible leads us to believe that they were created in their physical prime. And so many theologians would gather that when you put these things, all, several scriptures together, they think that in heaven we won't be really young or really old, but we will be in our prime of life. Whatever age you deem that to be, I think about 32. Whatever age you deem that to be, uh, because it's, the idea is to go back to what God created in the garden, this, this state of perfection and complete unity with God and, and with ourselves and with each other. And, and when we go back there, uh, that, that maybe we'll be at that same state. I don't know. I don't, I don't fully understand everything, but people have had these near-death experiences where they say they've gone to heaven and they've returned to earth and they see certain things. Uh, in America, we have about 8,000 documented stories where people had what we would call a near-death experience and went and visited heaven and returned. I honestly don't believe they're all true. But I can't tell you they're not all true either. There's a movie playing right now, and I don't know if you've seen it or had the opportunity to go and watch it. It's called uh, Heaven is for Real. And it's a story about a four-year-old boy that has a surgery and a near-death experience. In the process, he goes to heaven. And while there, he meets his unborn sister that he was never told about. And he meets his great-grandfather, who he never had the opportunity to meet. And he returns, and it forces questions on the family, on the church, and on the city. His questions are, is heaven real? Does it really exist? Here's the thing. If, if heaven doesn't exist, the, that answer affects our entire view of, of life and, and what we're doing here. In fact, the message of Christianity breaks down without a concept of the afterlife. If there is no heaven and there is no hell, there is no use for Christianity because it simply becomes a book of morality. There is no hell to shun and no heaven to gain. What's the point of Jesus? What's the point of the sinner's prayer? What was the point of the cross? What is the point of the church? What is the point of being here today? What's the point? What's the point of saying no to sin? What is the point if there is no heaven and no hell? This movie forces other questions as well, though. We've seen in, just in this calendar year, we have seen several movies either about Christianity or based upon the Bible. And this question is forced, Hollywood is asking this question of you and I. Will Christians go to see movies about the Bible? Will Christians go to see movies that don't have uh, massive violence and blood and sex scenes and everything else in them? Will Christians go and sit there in a movie theater with people they don't know? And listen to a movie or watch a movie about God. You see, I can't build doctrine from near-death experiences, but I do believe they happen. Well, why do you believe they happen, Pastor Randy? Well, because they happened in the Bible. My entire belief system is based upon this book. 
and, and, and the truths held within it have fabricated and formed the, the structure of who I am. And so I don't know if they're all true. I highly doubt they are. But when I look in here, I can learn some things from when people visited heaven. I just read one of the stories to you. It's the story of Stephen. Stephen uh, became the first martyr in the church uh, after Jesus had come and died and then been uh, raised from the grave and then ascended into heaven. Um, the church is just beginning. Stephen, a young man, became a deacon and a leader in the church, but then he was stoned, as I read to you in these verses in Acts chapter 7. But what I love in verse 55 is it says that Stephen looked up and he gazed into the heavens and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Stephen is not dead in verse 55. They're about to stone him. He's about to die. But while he is on the earth, while he is walking around and people are literally trying to kill him, the Bible says that he looks up into the sky and somehow, and and I don't know how it happened, but a window, if you will, opened up and he could see into heaven. And when he looked there, he saw God and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He saw the glory of heaven. Somehow, a man on earth was able to see into the heavens. You can say that uh, near-death experiences, and you can say that no one can go to heaven in return. That's fine. But here is a story straight out of Scripture, and either you believe Scripture or you don't, that a man, while alive, saw into the heavens, and then, but, but never left his physical body. We learn from this that heaven is real. Heaven exists. He saw it. He saw things in the spirit realm. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2. Another story from the Apostle Paul. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. We see in this verse, and first of all, Paul is talking about himself. And he doesn't want to name himself because he's not wanting to boast. But later on, he goes on to tell exactly who he's talking about. He says, I don't know exactly what happened. I don't know if I had died or if I almost died, or if I was taking a nap, but somehow I went into heaven and returned. I don't know if... You see, Paul was stoned and left for dead twice. He was beaten within an inch of his life three times, and he was shipwrecked once, not to mention the other things that he endured. It's it's quite possible that in one of these experiences, we don't know for sure because he doesn't tell us, but in one of these experiences or some other time of his life, he has this vision where he feels like he is separated from his body and he goes into the third heaven. He goes into paradise. You say, Pastor Randall, what is they talking about? I'm not going to break all that down for you today. Let me just tell you this for the purposes of this conversation. Uh, He's referring to he went into the place. He went into the zone. He went into the room where God lives. 
When he says third heaven or when he says paradise, that's specifically what he's referring to here. He went there. He said, I went in to the very room where God lives. I went into the presence of God. I heard things that I probably shouldn't have heard. And I definitely, it's not even lawful for me to speak of them. So I won't talk about them. I'm not going to boast to you about going. I just want you to know this. Heaven exists and I know because I went there. Heaven, you see, is real. If you back up all the way into the Old Testament, uh, it's amazing how silent the Old, Text, Old Testament actually is on the concept of heaven. In Genesis 28, we see the story of Jacob as he lay down to go to sleep and he laid his head on a rock and then uh, sometime while he was resting, he has this vision and he sees the heavens open and he sees ladders extending from the earth up into heaven and he sees angels ascending and descending and he has this moment where he realizes that heaven is not that far away. Job poses the question, if a man dies, will he live again? And at the end of his life, he gives this answer, I know that my Redeemer lives and I will see him. Daniel chapter 12, verse 1 through 4, says that you will be delivered if your name is in the book. Someone, some will awake to everlasting life. Others will awake to everlasting shame and content. These are three stories in the Old Testament where they talk about heaven and the realities that we will be going somewhere. Heaven is real. But Jesus explodes the idea of heaven. John chapter 6, verse 40, 41. He said this, so the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were frustrated by this statement because in their belief system at this time, heaven, uh, the only people that were in heaven was God. Uh, and so when, when Jesus said, I am the bread that came down from heaven and later goes on to tell them that, that I'm going to return there, he is literally saying to them, I am God. This was not uncommon. It's one of the reasons that they hated him. He was forever walking around saying, I am God. I am the Messiah. I am Jesus. I am the Christ. I am the chosen one. And uh, so this is part of the reason that they hated him. And right here, he says, I came from heaven and I'm going to return to heaven. But he goes on. In John chapter 14, verse 1, he gives us some more great news. These, again, the words of Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house, he's referring to heaven now, are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Here's what Jesus says. First of all, in John 6, He said, I came from heaven, I came to earth, and I'm going to return to heaven. We know as you walk out the New Testament that that's exactly what happened. He came to earth, He died on a cross, He rose from the grave, and then uh, after... Uh, after spending a few weeks on earth, he ascends into the heaven in front of hundreds of witnesses. But now he says something wonderful in John 14. He says, My Father 
is building a house for you. Maybe your version calls it mansions. And he says it has many rooms, meaning there's place for everyone. There's a spot for you in heaven. And Jesus said, I am preparing it for you. I have to leave so I can get things ready for you to come. This is good news for you and I. Because the second point I want you to know this morning is that heaven is for you. Heaven is for you. Last week we talked about hell not being for us. In Matthew 25 verse 41, Jesus said, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus did not want you to go to hell because he didn't prepare hell for you. He created hell. God created hell and the torment that it is for the devil and for his fallen angels. He didn't create it for you, but you can go there. What did He create for us? Out of His love for us. Because we're His most prized creation. He created this wonderful place called heaven. And He built rooms and mansions. And however it it turns out looking, I don't even fully know. But He made it for you. Hell is not for you. It's not for you. It wasn't created for you. And Jesus doesn't want you to go there. But He wants you to go to heaven. Heaven is for you. We see something else in verse 4. And you know the way to where I'm going. There is a way to get places. When I was 15, uh, our youth ministry took a trip to Colorado to go skiing at spring break. And we were driving in the bus, and then Ryan and I, uh, my brother-in-law, were driving the uh, Suburban behind the bus. And I kept trying to tell them how to get to Colorado. But my youth pastor would not listen to me on how to get to Colorado. This did not bode well for us. Essentially, if you want to go skiing in Colorado, there's a couple of ways you get there from here. You can go all the way up through Oklahoma into Kansas and cut across west uh, through, the, through the plains, straight in through Denver and into the mountains. That's one way. The other way is you cut across through uh, northwest Texas through the panhandle into New Mexico and then you go north our problem was we decided to take both ways and we were going to drive it nonstop. so instead of it being a 21 22 hour drive it was well over 30 because we went all the way north then we went back west and while I'm trying to tell them turn we're in Santa Fe which we should have never been in the first place but I'm trying to say turn right here no no we don't turn and we find ourselves lost yet again because they didn't know the way they knew they wanted to get there but they didn't know the way to get there and I know that Ryan and I were only 15 16 years old and we no one wants to listen to people when they're 15 or 16 but we did know the way We had the answers. There is a way to get to heaven. There's a way. There's not multiple ways. There there is just a lie, and it's called universalism. Universalism, if you can imagine this, uh, is heaven being at the top of a mountain. And wrapped around the mountain coming down are different paths or different ways that you can climb the mountain 
all leading to the same thing. And so universalism says it doesn't matter if you choose Christianity or Buddhism or Islam or anything else. As long as you choose any route, they all lead to the same place. The problem is if you believe the Bible, you can't believe that. Because here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the way. He didn't say, I'm, I'm one of the ways, and there are other good ones, but I've got, I've got a really nice one. No, no, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Now, Christianity gets a knock for being exclusive and, and have, uh, being the only way and trying to put, the, put a, a monopoly on God and on heaven. I'm sorry, but that's what the Bible says. So I cannot be exclusive and not believe the Bible, or I can believe the Bible, and I can believe that there's only one way to get to God, and that is through Jesus. I can't have it both ways. I just simply cannot um, be a Christian, believe in God, believe the Scripture, and think that you can get there any way you want to. The, the two things collide with the words of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, not even good people, not, not even people that try really hard to do the right thing, not even people that go to church faithfully but still never know me, no one goes to the Father except through me. You see, there... Heaven has a way, only one way, and that way is Jesus. Jesus blew up this idea of universalism. Jesus blew up the idea that we can get there any way we want. Jesus is the only way. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14 puts it like this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, but those who find it are few. This is where old timers, if you're from the country like me, said, you've got to walk the straight and narrow. There's no W on the end. You've got to leave that off. You've got to turn it into an A. You've got to walk the straight and narrow. Because there's only one way. And, and, here's what, and again, these are the words of Jesus in, in Matthew chapter 7. This is uh, probably the greatest sermon, the, mo- the most well-known sermon in the history of the world, the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says, I just want you guys to know there is an easy way. And it's paved and it's nice and it's easy and you can walk through those gates. The problem is on the other side of those gates is not what you're expecting. It's destruction. He's talking about hell. But he said there's, a, there's another way. And it's narrow. And it's harder. And, it, and it's, it's, it's not as easy as the one. It's in, one way is wide because there's going to be a lot of people walking that way. The other way is narrow. And there's not going to be as many. But it's the way that leads to life. Which way are you choosing? That way is Jesus. The Bible says in John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him. 
would not perish, but have everlasting life. The good news about this whole message, about heaven, about this way, is that all you have to do is believe on Jesus, have a relationship with Him, walk with Him, and you'll find yourself in heaven. Jesus calls Himself the door at one point. He says, I am the door. Think about a door. A door is a passageway. It's something that you go through to travel from one room to the next or this life to the next. And Jesus said, if you want to get into heaven, come through me. There's another door. Don't take it. Come through me. There is a way, and that way is Jesus. Heaven has a way. You know, the other thing we find about this is that... um, when it's done, it's done. When, when it's over, it's over. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, these great verses, So we are always of good courage. Uh, in the New King James, he says, we have this great confidence. We, we know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Next verse. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Let me, let me tell you what these verses are saying, very simply. You may have heard it said like this, to be present with the body is to be absent from the Lord, but to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Here's what Paul is saying to us. He said, I, I want you to understand something very clearly. The moment you die, you are with the Lord. You are facing, last week we talked about it, uh, it is appointed for all men to die once, after that, the judgment. The moment you die, you are at the point of judgment. You are looking into the eyes of God. You are looking into the eyes of your Creator. You are there. It's not like there is a waiting place, a redo place. When it is done, it is done. When your life is over, it is over. If you live the wrong way, and you choose the wrong way, and you choose the wide road, the wide gate, your family is going to call me, and they're going to say, Pastor, we need you to come do this funeral. And many times in my life, it's happened such that I get this call to try to preach someone into heaven. But I want you to know, as much as I love you and may care for you, I can't preach you into heaven once you're gone. I can't can't get up here with your lifeless body and all of your friends and family and try to preach you into a relationship with Jesus. Because once it's done, it's done. We don't get a redo. God is a God of second chances, and He gives them time and time and time and time and time and time and time again while you're on this earth. But once you are absent from the body, you are present with the Lord, and then it's only true. I can't preach you into heaven. So I stand here while you're living. I stand here while you're breathing, while you're kicking. And I beg of you, choose the way. Choose the way. 
one of the challenges of my job is to stand before family and friends and loved ones who no one believes they chose the way, but I've somehow tried to give words of comfort to that family. My challenge to you today is don't be that one. But be the one where I stand up and quote the word that says, Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And everybody stands and shouts and says, Amen. Be that guy. Be that lady. Live that life. Choose that way. Make it easy on me. And we'll have a celebration. Uh, went to yesterday um, a homegoing celebration of uh, one of the family members uh, of, our, uh, of our leadership team here. And, and that's the way it ought to be. Person after person got up and said, this was a man of God. He lived his life. He loved Jesus. He loved people. He did, he did it the right way. He chose the right way. Boy, that was an easy funeral for that pastor to preach. Make my job easy, would you? Make my job easier. Give me a raise, something. I want, I want, to, I want the, the Lord to look down on your life and say, I chose the narrow way. Because when it's done, it's done. There is a way. But be certain. Be certain of where you're going. What's going to happen when, you, when that moment comes for you. Be certain. Finally this. Uh, I am looking forward to heaven. I'm excited to go there. I'm excited to see Jesus. I, I, I'm excited to see my loved ones who have gone on before me. I'm looking forward to heaven, but I don't plan to go anytime soon. But when I read the prayer of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it's the Lord's Prayer. Most of us know it. And he makes this incredible statement that I believe is um, wonderful news for you and I. He says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. What kingdom? The kingdom of heaven. Come to earth. Come to us. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is my final prayer for you today. Is that... Heaven, come into your world and invade your life. Jesus never promised that life wouldn't have trials. In fact, He guaranteed it. He said, you'll be persecuted for my name's sake. Uh, uh, James said, count it pure joy, my brethren, when you face trials of many kind. They knew it was going to happen. They knew it was coming. But despite all of that, Jesus is teaching us we can ask heaven to invade our lives. And right through the middle of trials and, and tribulations and struggles and fights and, and people coming against us and world the world not going just like we want, heaven can still invade our life. And that perfect peace and that perfect joy and that, and, and that understanding and that goodness and that kindness and that hope and that love that makes up the atmosphere of heaven can engulf the atmosphere of your life. So I say, your kingdom come. But how do we do that? We have to say, Father, your will be done. 
I choose your way, God. I choose your will in my life. What do you choose? What do you choose? I want to ask you just a couple of questions today. Number one, do you believe that heaven is real? Number two, do you know the way? Have you chosen the way? Number three, are you certain? And number four, do you need heaven to invade your life? It's not maybe that life is all that bad. You just need a little more heaven and a little less hell. You need a little more good and a little less of the bad. I, I want to speak that over your life today. And I'm going to pray for you here in just a few moments. And um, if that be your prayer and the cry of your heart today, all you've got to say is, Lord, your will on earth, in my life, in my home, in my family, as it is in heaven. Father, I thank you that you created a place for us. No... There is no way that we could ever earn our way into heaven. We can't be right enough. We can't do things correctly enough to get there. Father, you sent your son to create a way, a path, a road to get back to you. So Lord, I'm praying for those in this room today that need to choose the way. It's not that they don't know you. It's not that they don't know about you. But they need to choose the way. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life that we might come to you, God. You didn't create hell for us, but you did create heaven. I'm so wonderfully grateful for that, Jesus. I, I love you. You've, you've got a place picked out just for me. I hope it has mountains, Jesus, because I really like mountains. Father, for those in this room that have been laboring, toiling, struggling, and fighting, we have good lives, Jesus, but it, it just feels like that we're always fighting hell in one way or the other. Lord, I'm praying right now that your kingdom would come in our lives, that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that, that, that sorrow would be replaced with joy, that struggle would be replaced with ease and rest and happiness. Father, I believe that you can do that. I know that you can. It's your great desire, not for us to strive to get to heaven, but that you would bring heaven into our lives. I thank you for it right now. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Here's what I'm going to do really quickly. And if you're watching online, I want, I want to ask you this question. Our pastors and elders are about to come and make themselves available. If you need prayer ministry of any kind this morning, whatever you might need, we simply want to pray with you. Well, Pastor Anna, what's going to happen when we get down there? All we're going to do is say, what can we pray with you about? Give us as little or as much information as you would like that we can believe with you. I believe that... When the will of God invades earth, things begin to shift and things begin to happen. I believe in the miraculous, not because I read it in a book, because I, but because I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in my life. And I believe that God wants to move in you today. I believe He wants to help you. 
whatever it is. If you need healing in your body, if you need restoration in your marriage, if you're fighting finances, you're fighting in your job or your business, God wants to help you today. Just let us pray with you. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, if you want to get a second chance to start with Him, if, if you want to choose the way, let us pray with you today. That's all we want to do. Lead you in the sinner's prayer. Give your heart to Jesus that you might live for Him.